0: It's January, it's time for conference play, and that means teams are finally forced to go on the road, which is where two different top ten teams picked up their first road win of the season on Tuesday night. But they did so differently than you might imagine. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College basketball podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, bringing you a bevy of college hoops action from Tuesday night. It is so good to get into the new year and be getting actual good college basketball games again. I want to thank you for making Log College Basketball your first watch or listen of the day to get your college basketball content every single day. If you want to talk more college basketball, come join our Discord. It's free. It's easy to do. The link for it's in the show notes on audio and video. We'd love to have you. We're chatting college basketball all day long. Hey, let me set up the rest of the week for you really quick so you know what's upcoming. On tomorrow's show, Le- to Tulin is going to join me. We're each going to draft our top five freshmen so far this season, as well as getting you ready for a little bit of Thursday night's action and then on Friday Andy Patton and I will be back together. We will uh, recap action, action both from Wednesday and Thursday night and then get a weekend preview for you. We got lots of good action particularly on Saturday. As for today, we're going to go through recapping all of Tuesday night's action. We got a six pack for you later including a wild finish in uh, in Iowa. Not from the men's team. What? Yes, absolutely. Mark Mitchell's dad's tweets are coming to light. That's crazy. We'll get to there. Uh, We need to look at a couple teams who we don't know what to expect based on some things that have happened lately. That's both FAU and Illinois. We got answers to that. But first, we want to start with two top 10 teams who both took to the road on Tuesday night both of whom who picked up their first road win of the season. That's Purdue, that's North Carolina. Interestingly, neither team did it in the way you expect. These are both elite offensive teams, but both won these games by holding the home team, their opponent, to the 50s. Yeah, that's right. Purdue goes to Maryland, number 1 team in the nation, heads to the East Coast. Boilermakers knock off the Terps, 67 to 53. We'll get to North Carolina at Pittsburgh in a minute. For Purdue, this is not their first true road game of the season, but you'll recall they lost an early Big 10 game at Northwestern. But in this one, they go to Maryland, where they have not won, by the way, since 2017 and snap the Terps' 17—excuse me, 19-game home winning streak. Now, look, Maryland is not a great team. I recognize that. You recognize that. You know it. In fact, they're one of the biggest disappointments of this college basketball season thus far, I don't mind saying. But it's a true road game. It's a conference game. And at that point, it's not like it's a rivalry and you throw all the record books out the window, but any team, not any team, like DePaul just got raced. Uh, well, that was at home for UConn on Tuesday night, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, whatever. Again, Purdue hadn't won there since 2017. They go in and they do it. Purdue gets off to an 8-0 start. They hold Maryland to just 19 first half points. The score is 32-19 at that point. And then... The Boilermakers essentially cruise in the second half. The lead never got into single digits. And so Purdue just doing the work they need to. How did this happen? Well, Zach Eady did Zach Eady things. 23 points, 12 boards, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 2 assists and a block. He didn't have 5 turnovers. I'd like Mr. Edie, the National Player of the Year, to clean that up. What's so helpful, though, and we've been talking a lot about this, is that those two freshman guards, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, are now no longer freshmen. They're sophomores. Braden Smith, in particular, has been putting up big time numbers, triple, double ish type numbers on a pretty consistent basis. He did so again in this one 14 points, seven rebounds, six assists. They need that. Purdue does. Matt Painter's team does. But here's the thing Braden Smith also had four turnovers. So nine combined between Edie and Smith. And that, that, That has to come down. Love to see that. However, uh, Fletcher Lawyer had zero turnovers, chipped in nine points of his own, three rebounds, and two assists. Here's the thing for me for Purdue. I'd like to see more bench production out of them. Uh, Ten players in all played for Matt Painter, so five guys come off the bench, but they total just seven points together. In particular, nothing from Caleb First or Ethan Morton, and I don't just mean no points. I mean, zero shot attempts from these dudes. Like, wh- no, y'all got to get the ball up. You got to do more of that. I need more scoring from those guys. from Maryland, look, Jameer Young gets 26 points. Great, fine. But only five other Terps score and none of them in double digits. Coach Willard has serious offensive issues right now. Jameer Young's going to get his, but where else is it going to come from? I don't know. They're going to have to get that figured out. For Purdue, I love that they get this win because now it sets up a massive marquee matchup on Friday night when they host Illinois. More on the Illini in a bit, but let's just say they took care of their business as well, setting up Friday night's biggest matchup. All right, so that's one top 10 team who got their first road win of the season. Let's go to the other. That's number eight, North Carolina. At Pitt, North Carolina wins this one by 13, 70 to 57. For the Tar Heels, unlike Purdue, this was their first true road game of the entire season. And their start in this one was the exact opposite of Purdue. As the Boilermakers got out to that uh, quick 8-0 start and then cruised, not so for the Tar Heels. Pittsburgh gets out to a 6-0 start. North Carolina doesn't score until an RJ Davis three, six minutes and 40 seconds into this game. Think about how long a college basketball game is 40 minutes. That means Carolina didn't score for the f- like over an eighth of this game to start things off. And then they still score 70. That's really impressive, particularly given that Pitt had only given up 80 to two opponents this season. Now, obviously, Carolina didn't get there. That's not what I'm saying when you look at the fact that they didn't score for the first six minutes and 40 seconds, and then they get 70, you'll take that if you're North Carolina. But what is telling for the Tar Heels is just like Purdue. They're able to hold their opponent to 57 to 50 points, 57 to be specific on the road. That's what you need to do. Because as you look at North Carolina, they're an elite team, top 10 at Ken Palm, just like Purdue is. um, But they're able to hold pit down. And that's an encouraging thing to see. Here's another encouraging thing to see for the Tar Heels if you're Hubert Davis. RJ Davis had had eight straight games of 20 plus points. That streak ended. Davis had 15. But it means that other Tar Heels were chipping in. Armando Baycott, you might or might not be aware, had not been doing, have, uh, uh, getting as many double doubles lately. He did in this one 16 and 10. And in fact, he crossed the 2000 point mark for his career. He's the seventh North Carolina Tar Heel to do so, yeah, albeit it's his fifth year. So some people are going to put an asterisk on it. <laughs> One of the main things that Carolina has had this year is the influx of transfers has played better than what they got last year. Key of which has been Harrison Ingram, who has scored double digits for the Tar Heels every game this season up until Tuesday night when he only got seven, missed his first 11 shots, similar to the whole team, missed their first 10 shots before that R.J. Davis three. But here's what's interesting about what Harrison Ingram brings to the table. He affected the game in a multitude of other ways for North Carolina, including 15 rebounds, had multiple assists, zero turnovers, two blocks. That is what Hubert Davis needs. Seth Trimble has been a key contributor off the bench, has made major leaps in his sophomore year, double-digit scoring for him in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. So similar to how Purdue's win, sets up a key matchup this weekend against Illinois. Same for North Carolina. They head to Clemson on Saturday. Now Clemson has to get by a road game at Miami tonight. We'll get to that in a little bit, but um, that will be a big one as well. Um, Now, Um, What was also interesting about this game for North Carolina is that it mirrored a game they lost at Pitt last year. Um, In both games, North Carolina had a nine-point lead with 11.45 to go in the game. Last year, they choked that lead away, ended up losing by two. This year, they grew it out and won that game by 13. Are we seeing a tougher, different Tar Heels team than the one that fell from number one to out of the tournament last year? It seems like it. But we're going to find out in big ways because they've got Clemson at Clemson on Saturday and at NC State next Wednesday. So there you go. A couple teams picking up their first road wins. Now, let's pair a few more teams together. A couple, what are they going to look like now? Games that also occurred on Tuesday night for some ranked teams. FAU and Illinois both passed their tests, but one more convincingly so than the other. Which was it? We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn. Hey, at the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make this year that'll take my business to the next level? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. That's why they've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just some other job board. They've got a vast network of more than a billion professionals making hiring insanely easy when you have that many quality candidates. We have big plans for our show to grow it in 2024, and we know that if we need to hire the right team member, man, being able to do so can absolutely help do that. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering the quality hires versus leading competitors. Thankfully, with LinkedIn Jobs, this process is quick, intuitive, and so easy. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, two other ranked teams that were in action. Well, lots of other ranked teams were in action on Tuesday night, but two in particular that I was curious to see what they would be coming off of some two different events that had happened. One is Illinois playing their first uh, Power Six high major opponent since the Terrence Shannon Jr. suspension. We'll get to that game in just a second. But the other is FAU, who was coming off a loss at Florida Gulf Coast. It's their second, huh, loss of the season they had that other one earlier in the year, that's just, you can't do that if you're FAU in the AAC um, trying to put together a year similar to last year. Those two quad four losses are unlike anything they had last season in that magical run. I mentioned it on yesterday's show as Andy and I were talking, but right now they're the only team in the nation to have multiple quad one wins and quad two losses. So FAU as they moved into a a C play on Tuesday night was going to need to rebound from that. And they did rebound. But it was not easy. FAU um wins over East Carolina 79 to 64. And so you look at that 15 point margin you're like, "Wait, Isaac, you just said that wasn't easy. That's a double digit win." Yeah but don't be fooled by that final margin. They needed a comeback to do so. East Carolina led by as many as eight points in the first half. They led by one at halftime. It was a great back and forth affair until it wasn't when FAU decided to be FAU. Let me give it to you this way. Um, ECU's Ezra Asor uh, hit two free throws to cut the FAU lead to two with five minutes and two seconds left. From there, the Owls closed the game on a 14-1 to run as they, again, just did what they do. Speaking of do what they do, similar to like we said about Zach Eady earlier, John L. Davis and Elijah Martin each dropped 20. In this one, Big Vlad Golden had a double-double, 11 points, 11 boards, and Dusty May also got 13 points off the bench from Brian Greenlee. This is the kind of thing that FAU needs to be doing. So now this is a good win for the Owls to start off AAC play, get that monkey off their back. Now it's time to go to work and do the things that they need to do to set themselves up, um, for the NCAA tournament. They've, you know, Memphis is really the biggest contributor, um uh, biggest speed bump I would say in the way of their, um, uh, of winning an AAC title in their first year in the conference And in fact, the only game they're not favored in the rest of the regular season is their game at Memphis. But both Memphis games, at Memphis and at FAU and Boca Raton, are not till later in the season. So they got plenty of time to get ready for that, to prep for that, to get all their ducks in a row. I almost start to wonder though if they're kind of in this mode similar to the second year of Florida's national championship, the the o six o seven season, when Florida had won that national championship. It's like, all right, let's just Let's get back to the postseason. I wonder if, if you feel some of that. Um, you know, they return everybody just like that Florida team did, and it's like, let's just get through the regular season. There's got to be some of that baked into what they're doing. But they got to throw that off. they got to go to work in AAC play and do everything they need to um, to put themselves in best position for better than that nine seed that they had last year. I don't know what these two quad two losses are going to mean for their resume but they don't want to find out if it could get any worse than it already is. All right. The other team we were wondering about was Illinois. What will the Illini, number nine in the nation right now, look like without Terrence Shannon Jr.? We understood that a little bit over the weekend as they played Fairleigh Dickinson, who had no Purdue magic this time around. So the big question was, In Illinois' first game against high major competition without Terrence Shannon Jr., what are they going to look like? Well, on Tuesday night, Northwestern came to Champaign to help us find out. And before I even tell you the answer, let me remind you that this is where we all learn and are reminded, if you weren't already aware, that this team is not all Terrence Shannon Jr. despite the year that he's having. If you haven't met him yet, let me introduce you to this man named Marcus Damask. Homie drops 32 points on 11 of 15 shooting one of one from the free from three and nine of 10 from the free throw line. Yes, we will take that also chipped in four rebounds, six assists and a block, but it wasn't just a mask. It couldn't have been. Everyone has this is a rally, circle the wagons moment, and everyone pitch in 14 points from Quincy Guerrier, who had a double double, 13 from Coleman Hawkins, and 20 20 off the bench from Justin Harmon. This is exactly what Coach Underwood needs right now is just contributions coming from all over the place. Um, in this moment where you're just unsure what's going to happen as the legal process plays out with Terrence Shannon Jr., you just got to keep. Moving the train down the tracks. Now Illinois started this game off similar to Purdue. You know, I said Purdue got off to that 8-0 start. Illinois got off to a seven zero start. They were up double digits over Northwestern seven and a half minutes into the game. They were up seventeen at halftime. The lead ballooned to twenty just two minutes into the second half. It got up to as many as thirty three midway through the second half, and then they just maintained it down the stretch. So, how what does Illinois look like? Without Terrence Shannon Jr., just fine. Thank you very much. Now, will they all season long? I don't know. But on Tuesday night, for that 40 minutes, boy, did they. Against a Northwestern team that had already beaten Purdue, the number one team in the nation. So again... This is why we don't just automatically drop teams for losing that personnel. As I said, on Tuesday shows, we talked about what do you do with Illinois now? Where do you rank them? I just kept them where I had them at 10th because my thought was until they prove that they're not as good, I'm not going to move them down. We'll just let their play dictate where they go because that's all we can do. I'm not going to quibble with anybody that moved them down. That's just my philosophy. And you see why? They go out and beat Northwestern by 30, 96 to 66. Now that sets up what, again, we talked about it earlier, but the marquee matchup of Friday night when Illinois travels to Purdue for a major clash in what I think right now are the two best teams in the big 10. So we'll see how that Goes boy, I can't wait for it for Northwestern. 20 points for Boo Booy in the loss. They're gonna host Michigan State on Sunday. A, a big opportunity there for the Wildcats to see how they can do moving forward. They've got that Purdue win under their belt, but they got to keep stacking wins if they want to keep that at-large resume in shape. All right, moving ahead, we've got a six-pack with a little bit of everything in it today. It's like we went to Golden Corral and just picked out a nice buffet from all over the map. And we're going to start that six-pack in a place that you would never guess. We'll get to that in just a second. All right, it's a six-pack to wrap up today's show. As I said, we're going a little bit all over the place with this one, starting with a game that was the lead on the homepage on ESPN on Tuesday night, Iowa Women's Basketball. Listen, I hope, I hope, and unless you've had your head under a rock, that you have heard the name Caitlin Clark. Caitlin freaking Clark is an absolute magician. And I love watching this woman play basketball. Homegirl hit a game winner from the logo against Michigan State on Tuesday night. Just your everyday step back from the logo 40 footer. Clean, clean. It had that beautiful sound going through the net. So, Iowa was tied with Michigan State. Iowa was number four in the nation. Michigan State's not ranked, but they're having a, you know, their record looks good. This game's tied at 73. Iowa's been playing great at home. Just pure, pure step back three from the logo. Unreal stuff from Caitlin Clark. If you were watching it on TV or maybe you saw the highlight on Twitter or something like that, the, the uh, timer on the score bug down below looks like the shot was still in her hand when that hit zero. But you can't look at that. You got to look at the scoreboard. There's still two tenths of a second left, and just after it's out of her hand, you see the red on the backboard. So that shot actually did get off in time. It was wild to see. Again, she scored 40 points in all insane stuff. And again, this this game was the lead game on ESPN's homepage on Tuesday night. I don't know if it still is as you're watching this on Wednesday but really neat to see. Great stuff. Caitlin Clark, you got us here if you have not. All right. Number two in our six-pack, Syracuse at number 14, Duke on Tuesday night. Syracuse coming off a win over Pitt on the weekend, and uh, Duke is just getting Tyrese Proctor back. This is, I think it's his second game, um, both of which came off the bench. He did so again on Tuesday night. By the way, before we get into talking Duke, if you haven't seen Syracuse in the post-Jim Boeheim era, this ain't your grandmother Syracuse team. There is no zone under Coach Red Autry, and so it's a whole different uh, approach for Syracuse now. You just need to make sure you've seen Syracuse so that you understand uh, what they look like in a new era. The Syracuse backcourt is great. They've got Judah Mintz, who returned from um mostly strong freshman year, a little bit up and down. And then JJ Starling, who transferred over from Notre Dame is one of the best backcourts in the ACC this season. Well, here's the funny thing for me as we switch back over to Duke. If you didn't see it on Sunday on New Year's Eve, Mark Mitchell from Duke, his dad tweeted this out, quote, we as a family do not support what we're seeing from Mark at Duke. How do you show up at a university and lose your identity? Both Mark and Duke need to work it out. Disturbing, end quote. Huh? Homie's dad sent that. It's not a joke. It's not made up. It's not a fake account. That is from Mark Mitchell's dad on New Year's Eve. How'd you like to just be sitting around scrolling Twitter and your dad's calling you and your university out? Um, hey, Coach Shire, can we talk at my? I I saw what my dad said. Sorry, you know, like what on earth, in all, whatever. Apparently, Mark Mitchell's out here reading his dad's tweets, and he needs to be tweeting it all the time because Mark Mitchell goes out and puts together a first half 18 points, six of eight from the field, six of seven from the free throw line, five boards, and a block. Finishes with twenty one. Didn't you know? Didn't have as prolific a second half, but didn't need to because he did all that work in the first half for Duke. As Syracuse was keeping it very close. The story in this game, outside of the tweets and how Mark Mitchell responded, seriously, Coach Shires probably now going to pay Mark Mitchell's dad to be tweeting about these games. The Duke three point shooting, and what a difference it. was, well, like true tale of two halves kind of stuff here in the first half. Duke goes 0 of 9 from 3. 0 of 9. In the second half, the exact opposite. They took 8, they made 8, and finished 8 of 17 from 3. So yes, Duke missed all 9 threes in the first half. They made all 8 threes in the second half. You don't see that every day. Anyway, this was a good and tight game throughout the first half, in the first 6 or so minutes of the second half, and then Duke just went on a tear And just showed off their superior basketball capability to Syracuse. After that, um, at that point, when Duke took it out, Syracuse was within two, and then Duke outscores them 37 to 19 the rest of the way and it was just like all right I'm switching games right like that's just kind of where we got to again Tyrese Proctor comes off the bench again but he played 27 minutes it's great to have him back in the lineup doing things he dropped 14 points had four assists great to see it um some foul trouble for Kyle Filipowski in the first half that's part of why Mitchell did so much Um, If you haven't been paying attention, Jared McCain is the freshman to be watching right now for Duke. 18 points in this one. Jeremy Roach had 17. Uh, You might just hear Jared McCain's name come up when Leaf and I do our freshman draft draft on tomorrow's show. Number three in our six-pack, New Mexico at number 17, Colorado State, a key Mountain West matchup on Tuesday night. I know this is one that I was really excited about. I know um, from talking to folks in our Discord on, on um, Tuesday during the day, a lot of people were excited about this one. For me, this was about Colorado State proving their legitimacy. Now, New Mexico is a, a great and solid team themselves this year, but Colorado State has to win this game at home to be the level of like if they want to seed in the four five six range they got to win games like this and when they did 76 to 68 in the mountain West opener and I hope you stayed to stayed up to watch it because if you haven't seen similar to what we said, about who were we talking about that I said, if you haven't seen, Oh, Syracuse, if you haven't seen the new Syracuse, you need to see it. The same is true of Isaiah Stevens, one of the best guards in the country. He plays at Colorado state, um, man, just again, need to 18 points, two boards, eight assists, just three turnovers, five of 10 from the field, one of two from three, and a perfect seven of seven from the free throw line. But it's Patrick Cartier that leads the way for Colorado State and scoring in this one 21 points on a wildly efficient eight of 12 from the field. Now, as for the Lobos. Tough fight on the road. You love to see it, but just not enough and ultimately drop what's just their second game of the season. That's what you are supposed to do in conference play is lose tough road games. Now, the conference champs are made by winning on the road. They just couldn't do it. Good win for Colorado State at home. Uh, If you didn't see it, ESPN put out their newest bracketology on uh, Tuesday, as did Fox, by the way. But um, as for ESPN, they had five. Five Mountain West teams in, including both of these. New Mexico is right now last four in. And Colorado State right now is a five seed. So again, this is a big win to kind of maintain that level as you're looking to get like a three, four, five, six seed. Number four on our four corners, or excuse me, in our uh, six-pack, Wake Forest at Boston College. This isn't a massive game, but here's why I bring it up. Wake Forest is playing well. They need to continue to prove it on the road, and they did with an 84-78 to win. Right now, Wake Forest and North Carolina are the only two ACC teams that are 2-0. Mostly, though, that's because a lot of teams have only played one game. But I want to talk about Wake Forest because I want to get to Hunter Salas, who drops 21 in this one. And for Wake Forest, this is the third straight year, and we talked about it all offseason. Andy um, outlined it for you for the first time. but. Wake transfer guards that they keep Coach Forbes keeps it bringing in like three years ago. Alondis Williams averaged 18 and a half, six and a half rebounds, 5.2 assists was the ACC player of the year. Oh, by the way, the year before at Oklahoma, 6.7 points, 2.8 rebounds and 1.3 assists. Yeah, things went a lot better at Wake Forest. What about last year? Tyree Appleby transfers over from Florida. points, 6.4 assists, 3.5 rebounds. First team all ACC in the year before at Florida, 10.9 points, respectable, 3.7 assists, and 2.1 rebounds. Everything went up. What about Hunter Salas this year transferring over from Gonzaga? At Gonzaga, 4.5 points, 2.2 boards, 1.4 assists. Now at Wake Forest, 18.2 points, 3.3 boards, and 2.1 assists. If you're a guard who is transferring, you better be salivating at the mouth. You should be packing your bags right now to move to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where Coach Steve Forbes is going to unlock whatever it is that you do, and you're going to score 18 points a game, because that's what Alondis Williams, Tyree Appleby, and now Hunter Salas have all done. If I'm a guard, I am chomping at the bit to get to um, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to play for Wake Forest. I'm so excited to see what Hunter Salas continues to do and what he can do for Wake Forest and who Wake Forest is going to get next year because you know they're going to do it all over again unless Hunter Salas just sticks around. Number five in our six-pack, Iowa at number 20, Wisconsin-Iowa women. We talked about pulled out that squeaker, but the men couldn't do it at Wisconsin. This game was knotted at the half at 32, But the Badgers outscore the Hawkeyes by 11 in the second half for a comfortable double-digit home win. We uh, just mentioned in passing, maybe I did, nope, not on yesterday's show. This was in our Discord. I said, I'm really curious to see if Chucky Hepburn's able to go. He came in with an injury that he had suffered in the Badgers' last game. He did start, only had four points, but his teammates picked him up. All the other four starters had double digits, led by Tyler Walls, 19 points, 11 of which came at the free throw line. Dub-dub for Steven Crow, 14 points in a career-high 13 boards. AJ Store 16 points. Matt Klesmet 15. You love to see all of that. But what I love from Chucky Hepburn is while he only had four points, he was able to affect the game in other ways. Steals, fast breaks, other things like that. We'll need to monitor his health going forward. All right, number six in our six-pack. Just a couple quick games to have your eyes on tonight, Wednesday night. The premier marquee game tonight is Clemson at Miami, 8 Eastern on ESPN. FanDuel has it Clemson, minus one and a half. A lot of people are projecting the Tigers as the best team in the ACC right now. Got to find out. We need to see what happens. Winning on the road, as I said a little bit ago, is key to winning conference championships. We'll see what the Tigers are made of, and then they host North Carolina on Saturday. Two massive games for the Tigers. Another one, Xavier at Villanova, 8.30 Eastern tonight on FS1. FanDuel has it Villanova, minus 8.5. If Villanova wants to move their way, be part of the top end of the Big East, need to beat X at home. For Xavier, a big-time road opportunity. We'll see what happens there. Next one, let's move to the Big Ten. Indiana at Nebraska, 9 Eastern on Big Ten Network. It's the back end of a Big Ten doubleheader. FanDuel has this game, Nebraska, by four and a half points. Indiana needs to go on the road. We're talking about road warriors. Indiana needs to go to Nebraska and do work. Maybe pick some corn and beat the Huskers (laughs) around with it and get out of there with a victory. Curious to see what Indiana is able to do or if Nebraska can hold serve at home. All right, folks, that's it for today's show. Can't wait to be back with you tomorrow with leaf to lean again, come join our discord. The links in the show notes. If you haven't already vote for us on the sports podcast awards best basketball podcast. Yes, we are up for that. Please subscribe to the show on video and audio rate and review five stars. Talk about why you love it. Smash the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, want to remind you as always apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats! And again, until tomorrow. Peace.